Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. exciting was it to wake up this morning and see some snow at least I was excited I don't know how you guys felt about it but it was exciting to see and especially it was exciting that by the time it was to, I had to leave the house I didn't have to shovel anything so it was like the perfect snow so I enjoyed that a lot um, I want to just call your attention to something that's happening today um, this is the start of our new quarter for bible classes so I'd really encourage you to pick one of the classes and start attending it now and be committed to attending it throughout this quarter. We have a variety of classes, a variety of teachers, something that surely will uh, benefit you, something that you will find very useful in your walk with Christ. So please take a moment to look at those uh, classes and pick one and go to it today and continue throughout the next few months. So do that as we go on. Also, I want to let you know that there are a group of men who um, are going to Florida for the next two weeks. Some are there for the first week, some for the second week. They're going to be helping out with hurricane relief down there. So I'd ask you to keep them in your prayers as they labor there, as they travel back and forth. Pray that they'll be safe, but also that they'll be able to impact others, that they'll be able to be salt and light um, in that place where there's been great devastation. So please keep them in your prayers. What we're going to be doing this morning is we're going to be finishing our four-part mini-series, and this mini-series has been focused on two things. First, it has been focused on what has become known as the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of Jesus as recorded by Matthew in the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapters of his gospel. And secondly, we've been focusing on life out of the boat, looking at what it means and what it looks like to join Jesus in his mission out on the always unpredictable and oftentimes uncomfortable water. We began this series at the end of Jesus' sermon, and there Jesus tells a parable. It's a parable about wisdom and about foolishness. Jesus uses the example of a carpenter who constructs his house on a foundation of rock. And in that story, Jesus taught us that wisdom hears Jesus' words and then actually does what Jesus says. To use our theme language, wisdom hears Jesus and gets out of the boat and joins Jesus in his mission. In that same story, and as a contrast, Jesus tells us about another carpenter who constructs his house on a foundation of sand And in that part of the story, Jesus taught us that foolishness hears Jesus' words but 
doesn't do what he says. Again, using our theme language, foolishness hears Jesus and just stays in the boat, stays anchored to the boat. And Jesus' words have no impact on them. Well, then we move from the end of Jesus' sermon to the beginning of his sermon. And there we saw that Jesus didn't begin his sermon with a bunch of commands. Instead, he began his sermon with a whole series of blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful Blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness. See, Jesus gives blessings before he gives any commands because he knows that his followers can't navigate life out of the boat and on the waters on their own. So in the second week of this series, we learned that it's only when we can know and we can accept that God will always be there for us with blessings. It's only then that we're able to overcome our fears and get out of our boats. In that third week, we turned our attention to the things that we should take with us when we do accept God's blessings, when we do overcome our fears, when we actually do step out of our boats. Here's what Jesus had to say, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And then he said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So what are we to take with us when we leave our boats? Well, we're to take with us what the world needs. And what the world needs is exactly what Jesus has declared us to be. The world needs salt. The world needs light, and that's who we are. So in the third week, we learned that Jesus expects us as his disciples to act wisely by taking ourselves, taking ourselves as salt and taking ourselves as light out into the world for the benefit of the world. That's what we should take with us out of the boat Today we're going to end this series by turning our attention to a related question. And that question is, what should we leave behind when we step out of our boats? If we're going to get out of our boat and join Jesus in his mission, if we're going to provide the world the salt and light that it needs, what needs to be left behind? What are the things that would hinder Jesus' mission? What are the things that would dim our lights, that would nullify our saltiness? What needs to be left behind? Now let's listen to what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. 
I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus saying? Well, he's saying, don't even think that the reason that I came to earth was to abolish, to nullify, to do away with the law and the prophets. Or maybe to use our language today, don't even think that the reason that I came to earth was to do away with the Old Testament. And I find that interesting. I find that interesting because what Jesus says here is exactly the opposite of how Jesus is often portrayed. So how is Jesus often portrayed? Well, Jesus is often portrayed as God's hard reboot of the world. You know what a hard reboot is, right? Maybe I should have Fernando come up here and tell us what a hard reboot is. When your computer stops responding, when your computer freezes up, when it keeps working and you've tried everything else as a last resort, what do you do? Well, you do a hard reboot which is a fancy name for unplugging your computer or taking the battery out of your computer. And then you plug it back in or you stick the battery back in and you try to power it up, hoping that you solved the problem that was there before. And oftentimes the appearance of Jesus in the world is presented as God's hard reboot of the world. So the story is told something like this. The people of this world stopped responding to God's law. Even his chosen people, the Jews, quit worshiping and behaving like God commanded them to. So after trying everything else, after trying judges and kings and prophets, after trying threats and punishment and even banishment, God just gave up and decided to start all over. Just pull the plug. Start fresh. Start new. Just reboot So he sent Jesus, and he unplugged the old law. He powered things back up and just started over. The problem with that story is that it directly contradicts Jesus' own words. Jesus isn't a reboot. Jesus is a continuing part of what God has been doing within the world. This directly contradicts Jesus' own words that it was a hard reboot. See, Jesus doesn't want us to leave the law behind. Jesus tells us there's nothing wrong with God's law. There has never been anything wrong with God's law. God's law is good. In fact, the Bible teaches us that God's law is perfect. But there is a problem. And the problem comes when God's perfect law is taken and interpreted and perverted by imperfect people. Interpreted and perverted by imperfect people like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that Jesus talks about here. And often, unfortunately, sometimes interpreted and perverted by imperfect people like me and you. And that's what Jesus wants us to leave behind. Not leave behind the law, but leave behind the old perverted interpretation of the law. 
an old perverted interpretation, can't even say it, let alone do it, an old perverted interpretation that says the only way that you can become righteous is by keeping the letter of the law, which is not righteousness but self-righteousness. An old perverted interpretation that says that at the very heart of God's law is rule-keeping. At the heart of God's law is self-righteousness. It's an interpretation that says that the way that you get God to love you is by checking a bunch of rule boxes. But Jesus tells us something very different. Jesus tells us that at the heart of God's law isn't rule-keeping. Instead, at the heart of God's law is your heart. Let me say that again. At the heart of God's law is your heart. The problem never was and never has been God's law. Instead, the problem has always been mankind's heart. We don't follow God's laws in order to be loved by God. We follow God's laws because we are loved by God. So we don't leave the law behind. We don't leave the law behind because the law is good. And the law shows us God's very own heart. So when we follow God's laws from our hearts, we're following his heart. That's why later in the sermon, chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. You see, when we treat others like we want to be treated, we're following God's heart. And we're correctly interpreting God's law. At the heart of the law is your heart. That's why Jesus also said this in Matthew chapter 22. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. You see, when we love God with our entirety and when we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, we're following God's heart. And we're correctly interpreting God's law. At the heart of the law is your heart. That's why we don't just leave the law behind. See, because correctly interpreted with your heart at its heart, taking the law with us isn't something that's going to pull us down. It's not something that's going to hold us back or slow us down. It won't keep us from following and joining Jesus. In fact, correctly interpreted, the law lifts us up and it moves us along and it keeps us in step with Jesus. It does that because the law shows us God's heart. And the law does something else that's very interesting and very important. The law restricts us. But it restricts us in very useful ways. It gives us direction. It gives us focus. It keeps us in the proper lane. It restricts us in very helpful ways. You see, the law's restrictions are very valuable. It's very important that we know what God loves. And it's very important that we know what God hates. 
That's how we come to know the heart of God. But incorrectly interpreted, when we're focused on trying to obtain righteousness by law-keeping, incorrectly interpreted, taking the law with us makes us think that we're walking on water, when in reality we're drowning. And sadly, that's what had happened to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in Jesus' day. See, they were checking every single religious box. And because every single religious box was checked, they were convinced that they were out walking on the water. But there was a problem. Their problem was a heart problem. You see, they didn't treat others like they wanted to be treated. They didn't love God with their entirety. They didn't love their neighbors as themselves. So then in reality, they weren't walking on water. In reality, they were drowning. And that's what Jesus is working to correct. He's working to fix heart problems. He's working to keep them from drowning and to keep us from drowning when we think we're walking on water. So then Jesus, in his sermon, draws this series of contrasts between the Pharisees and the teachers of the law view and interpret the law in the way that he views and interprets the law. And there's something that's important that you understand as we look at these contrasts. Jesus' view and interpretation of the law isn't something new. No, what Jesus is doing is he's bringing them back and he's bringing us back to the original intent of the law. He's bringing us back to God's view and interpretation of the law. Because you see, at the heart of the law has always been the heart. So when we hear Jesus say about the law, you have heard it said, but I tell you. Jesus isn't criticizing the law. What he's doing is he's criticizing the pharisaical, the legalistic, the heartless interpretation of the law. What Jesus is doing is telling us the things that we must leave behind if we're going to take the law and the heart of the law with us. Jesus is telling us what to leave behind if we're going to take the heart of God's law with us. So let's listen to what we must leave behind. Chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus says, You've heard it said to the people long ago, Do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, You fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. You see, the pharisaical, the legalistic interpretation of the law says, do not murder. But what's actually at the heart of the law? Well, Jesus tells us that correctly interpreted, the law teaches us that we not only don't lay hands on others in our anger, we also don't lay angry words or angry thoughts On others. You see, leaving your anger behind, that's how you treat others like you want to be treated. That's how you love others like you love yourself. And so Jesus tells us that wise builders, Jesus tells us that salt and light not only don't murder, they also leave their anger behind. 
then in verse 27, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Uh, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So the pharisaical, the, the legalistic interpretation of the law says, don't have sex with anyone other than your spouse. But what's at the heart of the law? Well, Jesus tells us that correctly interpreted, the law teaches us that we not only don't lay hands on other people's spouses, we don't lay our lustful thoughts on them either. Leaving behind your lust is how you treat others like you want to be treated. It's how you love others like you love yourself. So Jesus tells us that wise builders, that salt and light, not only don't commit adultery, they also leave their lust behind. And in verse 31, Jesus says, It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Oh, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. So the pharisaical, the legalistic interpretation of the law says, if you're going to divorce your spouse, make sure you do it right. Make sure you keep it civil. Make sure that you dot the I's and cross the T's. Make sure you pay your alimony and your child support on time. But what's actually at the heart of the law? Well, correctly interpreted, the law teaches us that we practice deep faithfulness to our spouses. That we take very seriously that we've been joined together by God. That he has made us one flesh. You see, leaving behind unfaithfulness. That's how you treat others like you want to be treated. That's how you love others like you love yourself. That's how you show that you know that husbands and wives are people to be loved. Treasured. Instead of objects to be used and then just discarded. Jesus tells wise builders, Jesus tells salt and light, not only don't forget the paperwork, but also leave your unfaithfulness behind. Verse 33, Jesus says again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So the pharisaical, the legalistic interpretation of the law says, make sure you keep all of your important promises. Today we might say, make sure you honor any contract that you actually signed. But what's at the heart of the law? Well, Jesus tells us that correctly interpreted The law teaches us that every commitment we make is important. Not because we signed a contract, not because we swore on a Bible or even on our mother's grave, not because we crossed our hearts and hoped to die, not because we didn't cross our fingers. Jesus teaches us that the law, at the heart of the law, is every commitment is important. See, people with the heart of God are deeply honest when they say yes they can be trusted to mean yes and when they say no they can be trusted to mean no 
leaving behind your lies, that's how you treat others like you want to be treated. And that's how you love others like you love yourself. So Jesus tells us that wise builders, that salt and light, not only keep their oaths, they leave their lies behind. In verse 38, Jesus says, You have heard it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So the pharisaical, the legalistic interpretation of the law says, if someone brings you harm in any way, only harm them back in the same way and in the same amount. So if they take one eye, make sure you take one eye, but don't take two. If they cost you one tooth, make sure that you take one tooth, but don't take two. If they say one bad thing about you, just say one bad thing about them, but don't say two bad things. Take your vengeance, but limit it. Don't increase it or accelerate it. But what's actually at the heart of the law? Well, Jesus tells us that correctly interpreted, the law teaches us that we practice deep grace even towards those who have harmed us. Jesus teaches us that we take very seriously the fact that peacemaking never grows out of revenge. So choosing to leave revenge behind is how you treat others like you want to be treated. It's how you love others like you love yourself. So Jesus tells us that wise builders, that salt and light not only don't limit their vengeance, they leave all revenge behind. Verse 43, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you only greet your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? So that pharisaical, the legalistic interpretation of the law says, love your tribe, love your family, love those who look like you and sound like you and believe like you, but it's okay to hate everyone else. But what's actually at the heart of the law? Well, Jesus says correctly interpreted, the law teaches us that we practice love for our tribe, but also love for all other tribes as well. Even those who don't look like us or sound like us or believe like us. You see, leaving hate behind, that's how you treat others like you want to be treated. That's how you love others like you love yourselves. Jesus tells us that wise builders, he tells us that salt and light not only don't just limit their love to their tribe, they also leave behind their hate They leave behind their tribalism and their nationalism and their racism and their sexism and a whole bunch of other isms. See, Jesus is telling us that we not only take the law with us when we leave the boat, we not only keep God's laws, but we keep God's laws in even more profound ways than we ever imagined, in in deeper ways, in wider ways in saltier and brighter ways than we ever imagined. 
What he's telling us is that when we pack our bags to leave our boats, don't forget the law. Don't leave it behind. But also, don't forget to leave behind the things that hide your light. Don't forget to leave behind those things that nullify your saltiness. He says, take the law with you, but leave behind your anger. Leave behind your lust. Leave behind your unfaithfulness. Leave behind your lies. Leave behind your revenge. And leave behind your hate. He says, leave those things behind because you are the salt of the earth. Leave those things behind because you are the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, you have declared us to be salt and you have declared us to be light. So, Father, we trust that that's who we are. That's who you have made us to be. And Father, we know that we live in a world in desperate need of salt and in desperate need of light. And Father, we also know that in our weakness, we oftentimes want to hold our salt and light to ourselves and not take it to the world that's in desperate need. So Father, help us to embrace a a deeper and a wider and a more profound understanding of, of your laws to understand that our hearts are at the heart of your law. So give us pure hearts, Father. Give us hearts that want to be obedient to you, hearts, Father, that that cry out to you, and hearts, Father, that have a passion for taking salt and light to this dark world and those who are lost. Father, help us to be what you have declared us to be. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So it's time for our uncomfortable challenge number 46. This is a praying challenge. So I want to challenge you to every single day this week, pray a specific prayer for a specific person or a specific group of people who would consider you an enemy because you follow Christ. Pray for your enemies. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. May we have the heart of God and may we walk with Jesus. Let's stand and sing. Sing, Lord, like a shepherd,